what is up everyone we are back with another episode of can you dig it a podcast by silver screen and roll an SB nation lakers community where we talk about uh los angeles basketball which is the only los angeles sport <laughs> i have ever cared about in my life and i'm so glad i can say that uh, i am christian rivas and i am joined by jacob rudin a very special guest sabrina merchant who does weekly columns for us over at silver screen and roll um Sabrina, I know you are probably doing as well as me. So, Jacob, I will ask you first how you are doing. Uh, I just want to know uh, how much you lost by throwing a Kershaw jersey onto the field last night. I know. I So, it's funny. I didn't buy my, my first Dodgers jersey until, like, a few months ago. And it was a Corey Seager jersey, which, I mean, looked a lot better than it. Like, it looked a lot better a year ago than it does now. Um, but yeah, so no Kershaw jersey to throw, but I got awfully close to throwing my Seager jersey <laughs> over the past three days. Uh, what about you, Sabrina? How are, are, are your jerseys still intact? I mean, I just feel like this is probably better than losing to the Cardinals or losing in the World Series uh-huh. again. Yes. So I hate the Cardinals. Yeah, might as well it's get nice it over with. It's nice to just with. get like 11 days of freedom, you know, before Lakers season starts. Yeah. <laughs> I think, see, I feel the opposite. Like, I, not that there's any shortage of, like, good content on streaming or television, but I needed something to hold me off for the season. I was hoping that could be it. But, like you said. Finals game five tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's true. That is true. Who do you got? Who you got right now on the spot? Connecticut. (laughs) Oh, no. Why? Only because I went to school with their starting point guard. So, oh, well, I oh, that's a good reason. <laughs> that is good. I just, I don't know. I'd like to see Del Don get a ring before she hangs it up, whenever that may be. I would like but. to see a road team win one series in the WNBA playoffs. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, the NBA season, at least for the Lakers, starts in, by the time that this podcast is available, I believe 11 days. Uh, which is great. Love Lakers basketball. Uh, but right now we have preseason basketball to hold us off. Anthony Davis and LeBron James obviously aren't playing their full-time load yet. I think Vogel's limited to them about 25 minutes per game through their first two contests, the latest of which came against the Brooklyn Nets at 4 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Um, you can be honest. Did any of you guys wake up to watch that game not a chance <laughs> nope did not wake up i mean it's a little easier for jacob because jacob what are you two three hours ahead of three of hours ahead West Coast? but i'm not i'm not waking up at 7 30 for preseason basketball <laughs> definitely not um and i don't know i honestly don't even know why the lakers woke up at their unlawful hour in china to play that game there's no reason for any party involved to still be there <laughs> Like I feel, I feel so bad for not only the reporters that got sent there, but for the companies that had to pay money to send their reporters to China, only to not get media availability. Yeah, if a basketball yeah, game did. happens and there's no corporate sponsors and there's no media and it's not broadcast in the local country, does it actually happen? I guess no. I don't think so. I mean, if it wasn't, if it wasn't broadcast, nobody would have known it happened. Which would have been fine because the Lakers lost. <laughs> uh, we would have been deprived of KCP at the four lineup time, though. So, yeah, that was weird. KCP played a team high 
31 minutes and 58 seconds against the Nets, which might explain why they lost 114 to 111. And I don't know how many of those minutes were played at the four, but I mean, even one minute is is too many. He, we were talking about this beforehand. He closed the game at the four, which our initial reaction was why, but like with all the injuries they have and whatnot, like Kuzma and Dudley aren't available. JaVale, Dwight, AD were all done for the night. Costas and is uh, still in LA. Uh, Boogie's obviously hurt, uh, and Kaycock was playing center. So it turns out maybe he was best equipped to play the four, which is a very, which tells you how much this absurd this game was. Yeah, I I think I made it through the first half and. Um... I I just can't buy into preseason basketball. When they used to play nearby my house at the Citizens Bank Arena in Ontario, I'd go and then I'd check out. Even when I was there, I would check out by by the half. It just it doesn't do it for me. Yeah, I mean, I do appreciate getting KCP minutes at the four. You know, that's not a regular season thing. It's a little oddity that you're only going <laughs> to get during the preseason. Yeah, I was so um, ready to be mad at Frank Vogel, just like Jacob said, but like. Maybe there is a lack of forward depth on this roster. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, by process of elimination, who who is the tallest um, player available that that was available? I guess it would be uh, shoot Devonte Kaycock. Yep. Yeah, and then I really think KCP was the he's next the tallest guy because <laughs> like Demetrius so... Jackson was out there and he's itty bitty and like yeah. Norvell was out Norvell, there. Yeah. Yeah. KCP legitimately was the next tallest guy in that lineup. Have uh, have the official heights come out for the Lakers yet? I haven't seen them. I, I haven't. Think I haven't seen them either. I don't know if it's on uh, the pregame notes, like if those are updated yet. Um, but I honestly don't know who I'd be most surprised lost or gained an inch as a result of those. I think Anthony Davis. Is probably closer to six eleven than six ten, um, but then again, I saw Kevin Durant and Anthony Davis stand right next to each other at a two K event I covered last month, and KD is taller than him by at least an inch. So hmm. well, KD came in and at six eleven, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, that's what I was gonna say. So AD really is six nine, six ten. I think KD and sense. Boban were, like, the only players who came in taller without shoes on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't Zion, like, 6'6"? Six, 6'6 six? Six, six without shoes, yeah. That's nuts. He's as tall as Lonzo. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. He he looked, I mean, not to get too off track, which we do pretty often on this pod, but um, Zion Williamson shot, like, 93.5% from the field yesterday. He only missed one shot. Not including free throws. He has, he's looked as good as advertised, and I think playing on that Pelicans team under Alvin Gentry has only made him look better. I love that little 360 finish he had coming down the baseline and just finishing with a layup. People forget how yeah. cool Zion's layups look just because he's so <laughs> often dunking the ball, but his finish around the basket, just no matter what he's doing, is is remarkable. And he has such incredible balance. Like, once he's in the air, he has full control of his body, which is really, yeah, an underrated gravity-defying skill that few people have. 
And the most remarkable thing about him to me is that people are making a big deal about, well, he's not always going to have an open lane to the room, and he's not going to always be able to posterize people. And it's like, yeah, but <laughs> that dude's heavy. Like, you put Rudy Gobert in front of him, Rudy Gobert's going to move a little bit, even if he blocks a shot. Like, he's going to be he's going to be moved. So he is he is a physical specimen, and I know you watch a ton of him at Duke. Is is this at all surprising to you that he's looked arguably even better in the NBA? Yeah, I mean, it's it's basically that New Orleans starting lineup is exactly like the Duke one, just no shooting around him. So. Yeah. <laughs> very yeah, comfortable that's... with the setup. So I was going to say, it's no surprise that he acclimated very quickly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lonzo's, Lonzo's looked, Lonzo looked a lot better in the first game than he did the second game. Like, he went 0 for 3, I think, on his three-point attempts with yeah. that uh, revamped three-point shot. So, I don't know. I think... I think they'll be in the conversation for a playoff spot for, like, two months, and then they'll burn out. Like, they'll fizzle, fizzle out. David Griffin will move J.J. Redick or Derek Favors for picks, and then they'll continue the rebuild. I One more thing on Zion. Uh, watching him just dunk everything. I've always, like, said that if I could dunk, I would try to dunk everything, and it always made me <laughs> mad that people wouldn't. And that's exact. That's how Zion plays. Like he, every time he he like gets in the lane, he just jumps to dunk everything. Yeah, it's so much fun to watch. And that's what makes his balance so fun. Is that like he'll be like fifty feet in the air, and if the the dunk isn't there, he'll just readjust his body to to do like an underhand layup. But he's also over the rim. If that makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. Well, if that he's guy, 50 feet in the air, he's got to be over the river. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that guy doesn't make any sense. Um, but talking about another forward that is doesn't make any sense for how good he is at basketball, um, and it's not KCP, the <laughs> renowned power forward, Katavis Caldwell-Pope. Uh, Anthony Davis has looked as good as advertised since putting on a Lakers uniform. Uh, shot 40% from the field against the Nets. And the three-point shot still isn't there, but, I mean, even in spite of that, he posted the second-highest uh, box plus minus on the team behind uh, JaVale McGee and tied with Rayshon Rondo, which who could have guessed? <laughs> uh, he He's incredible. The first game, uh, I was, like, losing my mind that first quarter when he was, like, dunking everything. But, I mean, he took it a little bit of a... A step, a step back. back. It'd be hard to follow up what he did in that first game, but I mean, still, in 25 minutes, uh, he had 16 points. So he was still. He just. It still hasn't set in that he's a Laker. Like this is. We get to watch this 82 plus times this season. Like it's so much fun to watch him play basketball. Yeah, and Brooklyn really couldn't do anything to guard him. They were just hacking him left and right. Like there were a couple of times where. They tried to lob him the ball, like I think Rondo did, and for some reason the refs just didn't notice that he had just been pushed out of the way. It looked like Rondo's lob pass had just gone awry. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we have our own pretty special forward that does gravity-defying things. I mean, he even there's that one play near the end of the first quarter where they lost the ball near half court, and he tried to save it, so he dives to try to save it, and then <laughs> he doesn't save it, so he still just runs back down the court and takes a charge on Theo Pinson, and it's just ridiculous. Like, <laughs> Yeah, he, do, he dove for so back. Quick. Yeah, 
Yeah, he dove for basketball multiple times in the game. I'm like, okay, bud, calm down. Like, <laughs> it's just the preseason. But, like, yeah, Brooklyn kind of – it showed, I mean, the same in the the Warrior game, but it showed, like, this the way that the Lakers are going to have their front court. Like, DeAndre Jordan was on Dwight or JaVale, which left Torian Prince to guard Anthony Davis. And, yeah, he just abused him. He shot nine free throws. Um and just no, the Nets could do nothing really to slow him down, and I think those are the types of areas where they should find success all season long. Yeah, I was particularly interested in this game because you know Anthony Davis dropped twenty-two points and a half against the Warriors, which is no small feat against any NBA player, but he was also being guarded by like Omari Spellman, Draymond Green, and Jacob Evans on most possessions, um, and. The Nets have good size up front with Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. Uh, maybe not at the four spot because, I mean, I'm trying to think. Who do they have? Karooch and Tarion Prince right now. Those guys are undersized um, for that four spot, especially when you're talking about going up against Anthony Davis. So um, as, as excited as I was for that preseason opener, I am really interested to see how the Lakers do um, – Particularly how LeBron James and Anthony Davis do against players that aren't like six foot eight and and can be plowed through pretty easily. The way this, like, when this is just kind of building off the point I just made, but the way this team is built, though, like, I think that's going to be their mo is just plow through teams. Like between LeBron, AD, Dwight, Javale, um, Dudley, Kuzma, when they get back, like, they have a ton of size. Like, they completely destroyed Golden State on the boards. Um, It was a little more even against Brooklyn, but they also had DeAndre Jordan, and he played pretty much the whole fourth quarter. Um, But still, they won the rebounding battle there. It's kind of, the Lakers are kind of zagging a bit when everybody else is zigging, and they are going a lot bigger. And, I mean, they still have the ability with AD to have the best small ball big in the game. But AD's so good that he can play a bit more in the perimeter and the Lakers can get away with it. And it's really, it's kind of hard to tell right now how well it's going to work. But it's really interesting that this is the the path they've gone because, yeah, they should just be able to absolutely bully teams down low all season. Right, and you were saying, Christian, like you want to see Davis or LeBron go up against somebody who's not or is taller than six foot eight. But like, if they're starting at the three and four, there just aren't enough teams that have yeah. multiple forwards with that size, right? Like, obviously there are, you know, concessions to be made on the other end. But in terms of like trying to find two capable forward defenders with size to cover LeBron and Davis, like, I can't think of a team that has that like other than Philly. Yeah, I, I was just gonna ask. Um, I know Sabrina and I talked about it the other day, but Jacob, can you can you think off the top of your head any teams that can throw bodies at LeBron James and Anthony Davis in a closing lineup, like that'll be able to contain them? Well, I mean Philly. Um, yeah. Like Sabrina just said, they they kind of did the same thing the Lakers did this season, but. I mean, maybe Denver with Melsap and Jokic right. and Plumlee. That, yeah, that's the other one I think of um, in, in a matchup I'm 
looking forward to seeing how they do against. But yeah, otherwise, I think I think the Lakers are in a pretty good spot. Um, you look at the other <laughs> the other the top half of the Western Conference, which as far as as guards go, and I know, Jacob, we've talked about this pretty often. The Lakers have the worst backcourt of any contender, Western Conference, Eastern Conference, like in the NBA. And I don't I don't think that's a hot take. I like Danny Green, um, but I think there are a few shooting guards I take among like contenders uh, that before Danny Green. Like I guess the next argument you can make is Eric Bledsoe and Wesley Matthews, but even then I think I'd take Eric Bledsoe over Danny Green. Unless you guys disagree. Oh, no, no, no. Not in the playoffs. Definitely yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, I would disagree with that. But, no, I'd, I'd still – this backcourt was rough to watch um, yeah. in this it's game. It's been. Yeah. Caruso was – I thought he was really, really good um, and was, like, by far the best guard for the Lakers on the court. Uh, Rondo, I mean – his scoring numbers were up, but, I mean, all of the same problems are still there. He just hit a couple threes. Avery Bradley, not shocking, has been... <laughs> Terrible. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not great, uh, to say the least. It turns out, as I feared last week on the pod, guarding Rajon Rondo in practice didn't really sharpen the iron much there. Um just like a quick aside on Avery Bradley, his first shot attempt in that Golden State game was this like ridiculous long two-point jumper that he pulled up into. And then today when he got into the game, he drove right at, was it DeAndre or Jared Allen and just got roundly stuffed, like blocked, ball went off of him out of bounds, just not auspicious starts <laughs> for the Avery Bradley experience. Yeah, I think the funny thing about Avery Bradley and KCP uh, is I think they... I don't think they think they're too big for the team. I mean, maybe Bradley does. Um, but I think they're definitely players that think they deserve more shots than they're getting. So when they do have an opportunity to take the shot when the ball's not in LeBron or AD's hands, they're going to take it. Uh, and I think that's going to be very detri- detrimental to the team going forward, um, particularly in Bradley's cases. Because at least KCP, he's taking like, semi-open three-point shots mm-hmm. with Avery Bradley it's like he tries to blow by his defender and take a mid-range pull up or just like a heavily contested layup at the rim um so yeah the Avery the Avery Bradley experience hasn't been everything they talked it up to be at training camp uh and for that reason <laughs> I am still as worried as I was before training camp about about this point guard rotation and I I want to kind of feel this out with you guys and ask, like, am I wrong to think, like, this is a big deal going forward about the Lakers having a, like, lackluster backcourt compared to the rest of the league? The, so no, I I think it is a big deal. Um, The, I think Caruso has looked really good, and I hope that, Vogel continues this, if he continues this rotation shuffle thing that he's doing with the lineup that Caruso starts on Saturday. Um, He played a lot more with the uh, actual NBA guys, basically, this game. And look, I mean, he held his own, not surprisingly. Uh, Danny Green hasn't looked great, but 
I don't really need to see anything, I guess, from him in the preseason. I yeah. know he's going to be fine. KCP's kind of hit and miss, but yeah, Rondo and Bradley, uh, I neither of them have been like good, basically. Um, I was trying to think of a good of a nice way to say it, but no, neither of them have have been good. They both have wanted me, made me want to like gouge my eyes out at times. And I mean, today there, I saw screenshots. I saw it live. Like the problem you have with having Rondo on the court is that. Um, his man was doubling down on AD and just completely ignoring, uh, completely ignoring Rondo and like you, he'll have games like he did today where he hit two of three. But I mean, he's gonna have just as many games where he hit oh four or something or like that Milwaukee game last year where he was just bombing away. And, uh, yeah, I was trying to pull up the stats. So, I mean, this is kind of some context because I know a lot of people say, like, oh, he shot 38% last season. Of the 142 threes he attempted last year, NBA stats classified 101 of them as wide open, and he shot 36% on those shots. So, and that's not a good percentage on wide open threes. So, I just he hasn't done anything to to convince me that this is going to be any different. Like he uh, he's still bad defensively. He still offensively dominates the ball and has no gravity whatsoever. So yeah, I'm very worried about the guards. Yeah, I'm not so worried about the shooting guard position. I think the reason Danny Green didn't look as good today was because he wasn't with the starters. And when he's not with the starting lineup, then that requires him to do a little bit more ball handling, which is obviously not his yeah. forte. Yeah, so, not great. I mean, I'm, I'm all for Vogel, you know, having like a sliding starting lineup, but I think those three, Green, LeBron, and Davis, need to be in the starting lineup at all times. Like the shooting guard mm-hmm. position is not a part of the shuffling that I support because <clears throat> Danny Green, like we've seen in playoff superstars, essentially his entire career, and that's what he does. And he's very yeah. good at it, so there's no reason to try to <clears throat> get him out of that role. But, I mean, the point guard thing, yeah. Like, Rondo has been, honestly, a little bit better <laughs> than I thought. Uh, I know he still has, like like Jacob said, he just doesn't have any gravity on offense. But his his chemistry with AD is, like, good enough where I support. Like, legitimate. Yeah. yeah. I support those lineups where LeBron is not in the game. Like, I get that. Yeah. And he does bring some offensive value. And, like, if he... He tries on defense, which comes like you know one every four games. Like, <laughs> there's something there. I mean, he's he's obviously smart. Like he doesn't, he he's super lazy on defense. But if he tries, like there's there's some potential there. I I feel like every time I talk to you guys, it's just I can't stand anything Avery Bradley does. But like <laughs> <laughs> Avery Bradley has made me appreciate the Rajon Rondo experience. Like, oh no, yeah. I, <laughs> I just don't see what he brings. Like, on defense, he's supposed to be this, you know, lockdown guy who, like, for some reason, the defensive metrics never appreciate him. It's it's because he's not good at defense, right? Like, he fouls too much. And he's only good at on, or good being, you know, in quotes on on on-ball defense because he just completely loses track of everything else that's going around him. The only the only utility I've really seen him bring is that he's he's a pretty decent cutter. Like, I think LeBron hit him on a backdoor at the start of the second half, but... Like, Rondo and Caruso, like, it's not a good point guard rotation, but I think it's serviceable, you know? Yeah. 
And especially, like, maybe you throw Quinn Cook in there sometimes if, like, LeBron's running the point, just straight, like, Ty Lue special shooters all around him. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is, like, if Vogel just has to realize, like, which players work and which don't, because we have some guys that, like, the, the fat really needs to be trimmed on the rotation here. Oh, absolutely. And, and to your point about uh, Rondo and AD sharing the floor when LeBron's on the court, I think that's the only time Rondo makes sense is when AD, like LeBron's off the court and AD becomes the focal point on offense. I think you have to have a playmaker, um, you know, set up AD and what better playmaker than Rondo who, you know, had a hand in AD having a career year with the Pelicans. Um, I think they are yeah their their chemistry is legit like they know how to play together and that's that's pretty evident so far and i think alex caruso and dwight howard are forming uh a a nice chemistry in the second unit too um so yeah it's all about finding the combinations that work and i think we can say pretty confidently that the combination that doesn't work is any lineup with Rondo and LeBron on the floor at the same time. I know there's like this weird infatuation with wanting to move LeBron off the ball to see what he does. He does. Um, that just doesn't, that hasn't worked so far. It didn't work last season when, you know, Lonzo and Ingram took some ball handling duties. Um, it's like, it just don't mess with, what already works and what works is having the ball in lebron hands lebron's hands which is why caruso makes so much sense with the first unit because uh, he can knock down three pointers at a decent clip i mean he shot three of four against the brooklyn nets um and then ended the season if i'm not mistaken like on 45 percent shooting from three was it 15 games yes am i gonna let that change my opinion nope um it's a, uh, it's it's an interesting one, and I, my question is, why does Frank Vogel want to make Rajon Rondo at starting point guard a thing? Is it a Vogel thing, or or, or is it an AD thing? If you guys had to guess, I would say, I, w- I think it's probably some politics going on and not wanting to upset the veteran, like. Like you guys have said, I wouldn't be as worried if it was Caruso starting and Rondo as the backup when, and he's staggered with AD because I mean they do have great chemistry and he is a great Rondo is a great pick and roll guard, um, and AD can kind of clean up some of his defensive inefficiency by uh, protecting the rim, but it just doesn't work when it's Rondo, LeBron, and. Um, in AD, especially if you're not going to play AD at center and you also have Dwight or JaVale out there because then you essentially have Danny Green as the only shooter and it's just a mess spacing wise. So I don't know why he wants to I'm why he wants to make Rondo a starter. Like I said, I fear it might be something with politics. If they would just simply start Caruso, bring Rondo off the bench, um and I mean, Quinn Cook's still there. I think he'll be able to contribute as well. Have him take some spot minutes, too, at point guard. I'd feel a lot better, but, yeah, my fe- I, I think it's a legitimate worry that Vogel really wants to make this Rondo starting point guard thing a thing. <laughs> yeah, stop yeah, trying to make Rondo happen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm interested in seeing 
the guard rotation when Quinn Cook is healthy. Because the thing that gave me pause in the in the first game was the fact that Troy Daniels came off the bench before Alex Caruso did. And I think part of that had to do with the, the roster shuffling Bogle stock so much about seeing different guys with different units. Um, but as, as decent as I think Troy Daniels has looked in the preseason, I do not support him getting more playing time at Alex than Alex Caruso given the options at point guard. So, I, I mean, we've talked about this a lot, and we'll probably talk about this throughout training camp, but that guard rotation is going to be so essential to unlocking the potential of this team because, I mean, if you continue to play Rajon Rondo with LeBron James, I think you're really hampering the potential on offense with this team, even if it works. Like, I think the problem Lakers fans and Lakers uh, analysts are going to run into with this team pretty often is that they're going to work through their you know their problems because of how talented LeBron James and Anthony Davis are like they're going to win games in spite of you know their wonky rotations um but I I honestly think that can only last for so long and in order for them to establish themselves as like legitimate title contenders that's something they really need to figure out because other teams do other teams have like legitimate second units and uh, players they can plug into rotations because they like you look at Utah, the Clippers, the Nuggets. Um, they they just they've had their systems in place for a little while longer, and Lakers don't have that benefit. The so yeah the LeBron and AD are so good that they're going to a lot of times win games almost on their own, um, which yeah I think could lead to kind of. Um, misdirection that Rondo is working in the starting lineup when really, I mean, you're, you're just kind of lowering the ceiling on the on what the team can be, become by giving Rondo big minutes. Um, and not even necessarily, I mean, Caruso still, I think he's played well. I, base, I want to see him more in the starting lineup. It's not like he's the end-all, be-all savior, although everybody wants him to be that. Um, and I will, I hope he is, but the ceiling is so much higher with a player like Caruso who can shoot off the ball and isn't just going to dribble the ball 10 times before throwing it into the post to JaVale or to 80 or something. Like, Rondo's play style just doesn't mesh with being with other ball-dominant guys. And, yeah, you're just going to lower the ceiling of how good this team can be and it's, it's going to catch up to you sooner than later. Pro- and unfortunately, in that scenario, it would catch up to him in the playoffs, and um, it would really hurt them. I think there's probably still a little bit time before we get worried about that starting point guard thing, just because, you know, Vogel's already gone with two entirely different backcourts in the first two preseason games, right? Like, there's, right. there's some, in theory, some experimentation going on, like, for all we know, the next preseason game could have Caruso and Quinn Cook starting at the one and two. You know, like it's it's just uh, too early to say one way or the other. But yeah, I mean, and I feel like having Kuzma back will ease some of the second unit things that you were talking about because he's at least has some familiarity with LeBron and maybe three of the other guys on this team. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I I think that's a really um, like. 
not that Kuzma's a secret weapon by any means, because like he is what he is. I think most people know what he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but what he is is going to be of great value to the Lakers, especially if he continues. Um, you know that growth in the playmaking department that he showed at the tail of, at the tail end of last season and a little bit with Team USA um, in the few exhibition games he played. Um, I think the Lakers would really benefit from having a like secondary creator in that second unit, um, especially and and not even just a secondary creator, somebody that can initiate their own offense in the second unit. Because if you're running, like say say the ideal second unit right now, assuming Alex Russo isn't in the first unit, mm-hmm. is is one with Alex Russo, Dwight Howard, and Contavious Caldwell Pope. While I don't doubt that those guys can get points, I don't know if any of those points will come easy uh, in the half court or in transition, especially not with Contavious Caldwell Pope running anything oh, in transition. Man. That three pointer yeah. he took, like with two and a half minutes left in transition, like still a very <laughs> close game. They just you just knew the minute he got the ball, like oh, this is going up for sure. <laughs> so yeah, I think it's, I think. As underrated as I think as Kyle Kuzma is going into the season, uh, and I know Sabrina wrote a really good column on Kuz um, on the site either last week or two weeks ago, um, I do think there is a lot of unwarranted hype around Kyle Kuzma, but I also think there's a lot of unwarranted hate around him uh, and what he can still bring to the team going into next season. He will spare us from KCP at the four minutes. I can assure you that, which that alone is a big positive. Uh, he'll be important. I mean, he'll be in the closing lineups. He'll be a shooter to space the floor like we were talking about. Um, in theory, a shooter. <laughs> we yeah. don't know that yet. Well, I, I said a shooter. I didn't say a scorer. Um, he will definitely shoot the ball no matter how, how much is going in. So he... Uh, yeah, I do think he's he's valuable, and um, we saw last year at in spurts that he can be a playmaker. Um, kind of finding that consistency will be a kind of a big thing for him. But um, yeah, the Lakers, I think, I mean, it's not exactly breaking news, but they miss him not having him around for this trip. I I hope that he is able to come back. I know he's being reevaluated. Um, when they get back from China, I hope that he's able to come back soon and get a game or two in the preseason under his belt. Um, but either way, he he'll be a big part of this team, and they really need him because they're already um, shallow on the wings in terms of depth, and not having him hurts. And he brings a skill set that's going to be very very important to this team. Yeah, and I just think that his absence sort of underscores like that roster flaw we were talking about. The reason why every Laker fan is just waiting for Memphis to give up on Andre Iguodala, right? Because like there is <laughs> there is a need there for a forward-sized player, you know, who can do some things. And like I, I forget who mentioned this the other day, but like if Iguodala doesn't become available, Jay Crowder is probably more gettable from Memphis. Yeah, you know, I think he only makes about seven million, so that's an easier salary match than whatever. Is working with. And a recurring game on this podcast for whatever reason, I mean, not for whatever reason, it's because Iggy's still not available, is 
how many players do the Grizzlies need to cut in order to get to their <laughs> roster minimum by the start of the season? They have so many players under contract. So whether it's Jay Crowder or Iguodala, they need a cut. People, like, immediately. The season starts in less than two weeks. And they still have Miles Plumley, Solomon Hill, Jay Crowder, Josh Jackson, uh, Bruno Caboclo, and somebody else, and Iguodala on the roster. Uh, two of those players aren't going to be on the opening night roster. And, uh, it's going to be Josh Jackson Miles, and Miles Plumley. <laughs> yeah, Miles Plumley makes 12.5 million. Iggy makes 17.1. So one of those bullets is easier to bite than the other. But yeah, the, one of the Grizzlies will become available very soon. And um, Jay Crowder is an option, especially because one of the few players on the roster, like one of the few players on the Lakers roster that don't have a no-trade clause match up with his $7 million salary. So, yeah, I was actually looking at him earlier as an option. But I agree, having that, just having a big guy on the wing that can stay in front of people on defense uh, is going to be huge for the Lakers. Do you think if Josh Jackson became available that the Lakers should cut DeMarcus Cousins to sign him? Uh, see, I don't know. Because he's bad. Right. That's one thing. He's, like, bad at basketball and has no so, shown no signs of being good at basketball mm-hmm. since entering the league. Um, and not only that, and not that the Lakers have shown that they have any problems with this, um, but, I mean, you'd be replacing kind of a bad egg in DeMarcus Cousins and replacing him with another bad egg, a less proven bad egg in Josh Jackson. Uh, so, yeah, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't touch that with a 10-foot pole. Uh, mostly because he's, he's just bad at basketball. I saw him play at Summer League. Yeah, he's so young, but also so bad at basketball. I saw him play at Summer League, uh, which, by the way, Third-year summer league players are always a bad sign. Um, and they've had quite a few between him and Dragon Bender. Um, he was just taking, like, calling for ISOs. And I understand it's summer league, but calling for ISOs. And then, again, similar to Avery Bradley, just taking pull-up mid-range jumpers for no real reason. And I, did, I got legit mad watching him. I'm like, what are you doing? You have all the physical tools to be so good at this game, and you're so bad. If I was 6'9 and 200 whatever pounds he is, or not 200, Jesus. Um, I was going to say, that was surprising when you said that. <laughs> 100 and, let's just say, 85, which seems low to you. I have no, like, context. 207 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, what, the moral of the story is no, I wouldn't. And um, I, honestly, if the Memphis Grizzlies are starting the season with him in the G League, um, I don't know how many teams would take a chance on him at this stage of his career. How how bad do you have to be to be like? I don't think I t- I don't think I can handle Josh Jackson, Avery Bradley, and. Rondo all on the same and court. KCP at the four. Yeah, I don't. I could not handle that. But I mean, how bad do you have to be? Even at he's still twenty-two. That we would take 
basically an empty roster, roster spot <laughs> over <laughs> him right now. Well, and the other thing is, is Iggy yeah. hasn't even played this preseason. He's not even with the team. No. They're not going to make him. They're not going to make him report to training camp. And Jerome Robinson. That's what they're doing. I don't know. I, I think the Clippers and the Nuggets are probably the two teams most likely to end up with him. Mostly because I think, and I may be wrong, but I think the Nuggets would be more willing to part with Will Barton now that Malik Beasley is going to be up for an extension pretty soon and Michael Porter Jr. is healthy for now. And they got Torrey Craig, so... I would not be at all surprised to see Denver swoop in and, and get somebody. They've looked good in the preseason. Um, and with Michael Porter Jr., they have a pretty sweet trade asset. Not that you'd give up for Iguodala. Like, he's good and all. I just I wouldn't give up Michael Porter Jr. for him. Uh, but they have assets to make a move. So, yeah, the Clippers and uh, the Nuggets are the two teams I'd watch. Um, the Lakers are not a team I'd watch because they can't trade anything. Unless KCP really, really wants to play in Memphis next to John Morant. I'm just glad that I sometimes felt, I don't know, guilty that we always brought up the Grizzlies in this podcast. And it wasn't you or I who brought it up. It was Sabrina who brought it up this time. So at least I know we're not alone here and wondering what the hell the Grizzlies are doing. <laughs> It's a legitimate question. I'm, I'm it's happy like to be fitting in so seamlessly. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think that's a good note to end our show on. If we're being honest, I don't. We have we'll have more basketball to talk about in less than two weeks, and when we do, I'm sure there will be no shortage of things to talk about. There's lots of stuff to talk about that we could talk about with the climate of the NBA right now. Um, but I choose not to. And that is my right. Um, <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, it's uh, that's one of the weirder NBA off-season debates I've seen on my TL. It's like Jokic versus Embiid. Um, what are some other ones? Um, I really enjoyed that. Somebody posted that Bleacher Report list of who they projected to be the top oh, yeah. 20 players this season oh, from five yeah, years nuts. ago. LeBron wasn't even on that we list. We were all very wrong about Andrew Wiggins, but yeah. perhaps no one more than <laughs> Listen, he pinky swore he was going to get better, and you don't break pinky swears. Yeah, somebody... Uh, I don't know who it was. It might have been Puma, if we're being honest. Um, but somebody posted Maple Leaf Mamba 2.0. It's like, I don't think you want that. I don't even think you want to be Maple Leaf Mamba 1.0. Oh, RJ Barrett's got the, the Maple Mamba nickname under locks. So. Yeah. He, um, he very much reminds me of Andrew Wiggins. When I watched him play the other day, he gave me very Wiggins vibes. He was much better in college than Andrew Wiggins was. Yeah. yeah. At the NBA level, though, is it going to translate? I forgot we had a dookie in the house. I'm sorry. I, I stand for RJ. Protect RJ at all costs. <laughs> you, know, you know who has been surprising that I that I had, like, an irrational amount of faith would be good at the NBA level is Cam Reddish. Oh, I, I do not stand for Cam Reddish. He was terrible. <laughs> I was actively enjoying the fact that he missed an NCAA tournament game. <laughs> I stand for camera. No yeah, this. There. That's why I, I I haven't. He was so bad in college, 
and there's no reason to believe that he'll thrive in the NBA in this same um, like role he was asked to play in college. But so far, he has. Like he looked so good for the Hawks in their in their preseason opener against the Pelicans the other day. Um, so that's a hill I'm willing to die on, um, as well as uh, the hill that Jordan Clarkson is actually a pretty good NBA player. Like in spite of all the evidence we have. I think he's an above-average NBA point guard. Um, Backup small so forward, actually, for the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's how Beeline's oh, using him. <laughs> I see. I saw that. Him and him and Jetty are, are taking care of things over there. It's a large hole um, to fill that small forward in Cleveland. <laughs> uh, well, that's our show. Um, I wanted to say, sign off by saying congratulations, Grant Goldberg, on, on getting engaged. We're all real happy for you, buddy. And... Um, there is a Taco Bell cantina in Las Vegas with our name on it. <laughs> I don't know why, but if any if if any of you know Ken Drew, last time we were out there, we had an option between going through this pizza place that he hyped up that's supposed to be like hidden uh, in a Las Vegas hotel, or a Taco Bell cantina. And for those that don't know, if you're familiar with the concept of Panda Express and Panda Inn. It's the same thing, just much worse. Like, I think the only difference is that they, they sell alcohol. Like, the Baja Blasts have alcohol in them. I have not been yet. Um, You're making but I, one hell of a case for this restaurant right now. No, I, I mean, I don't know where you stand on the Taco Bell, Del Taco debate. I lean on the Taco Bell side, uh, but not because I'm in love with Taco Bell. Just because it's the lesser of two evils. I don't think Del Tacos exist out here. <laughs> I forgot, Jacob. You live in the middle of nowhere. I'm looking real quick, but I definitely have only occasionally heard of Del Taco, and I'm pretty sure the closest one is in Michigan. So it is many, many, many hours away from me. Sabrina, you can jump in on this oath with me that I've sworn to Jacob, but this poor man. The closest thing he has to authentic Mexican food out there is Chipotle. Oh, man. That's, um, that's the worst part about Middle America, yeah. actually, is the lack of Mexican food. So you can join in on me uh, in extending this offer to Jacob. If you are ever in California, I swear to you, sir, I will either have my mom make you a delicious home-cooked meal or I'll take you... God, I'm trying to think of something that's still not good Mexican food, but is better than Chipotle. I mean, um, probably Del Taco. <laughs> no, I know. I, no, I I don't like Chipotle, but I will give them the starting nod over Del uh, Taco. That is going to be high on my list of things to do is eat as much Mexican food as I can when I come out to L.A. So. Oh, please. If you come out to L.A. This has been in the works. This is like... Okay. Um, <laughs> this is like the... Honestly, it's like the, the Iggy buyout at this point. It's talked about so much. But there is Memphis little buys reason. out Iggy, I will book my flight to L.A. Well, we're recording this. I hope you know. Uh, I, it's on record now. I'll do okay. it. Okay. Well, that's a good place to end our show. Uh, I have been Christian Rivas. Thank you, Jacob and Sabrina, for hopping on the pod. Always happy uh, to hear your thoughts on Lakers basketball. And if you are happy, your ears are happy to listen to us talk about basketball, Del Taco, Chipotle, and other things, um, which is the name of our book, um, inspired by Shea Serrano. Um, 
leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Although I'm pretty sure iTunes is the only place you can leave reviews, unless I'm mistaken. Um, and so that way we can keep doing this podcast and uh, provide you with more insightful Indiana content from Jacob. Um, what did I learn last week, Jacob? That you guys had to bring your tractor to school day. Oh yeah. Yeah, that we have we have a whole farmers week. During oh high my school. god, that is so funny! Like, no amount of hypothetical situations I could have came up with beat your reality. Uh, I'll try to find a picture of it. There were, oh. We we had pictures, but yeah, our parking lots would just be full of tractors. Please do, and I will retweet it from the Silver Screen and Roll account. Um, thanks for listening, everybody. We'll see you next week. I'll try to either there was like a picture or video um yeah our entire parking lot was full of tractors oh yeah no you do not what are you saying no Indianapolis is fine. I enjoy Indianapolis. Don't venture outside of there, though. It is about 90 minutes northwest of Indy. It's up by Fort Wayne. I doubt. I don't know if you. I doubt you know where that's at. But yes, um, it's in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Is where I currently live. Uh, yeah. It. My. Food choices are in this town are McDonald's, Burger King, Taco Bell, Pizza Hut, Papa John's, KFC, and Wendy's. That's it. Oh no. No, we don't have. We have a Chinese buffet that's like come under new ownership like three or four different times. I think it's currently closed. Um, we sometimes have a local Mexican restaurant and they I'm yeah I would love that but no they uh, they were like moved to a new building but then so like they were closed for a while and then like the building like had issues so they were closed some more so like sometimes they're open <laughs> I I've had to do that because like everything in this town like shuts down at like 10 11 o'clock and so like if I get any kind of like late night cravings it's like well I get all of these restaurants are like in a line on the same road too so it's like you just drive down and see if any of the lights are on and if they're not you go to a gas station and get a frozen burrito or something <laughs>